1: That's N-O-O-M.com
0: to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax and Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join and you get to compete against rotaballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey if you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today once you have your Fantrax account go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league but go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey but for now welcome to Benched with Bubba Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 117, part two of your starting pitching preview for the 2022 fantasy baseball season. We left you off at the top 30 last episode. The goal is to get 30 more in this episode to get you to around number of 60 to make things uh, work out for your team. Maybe we'll do a little more next week. We'll see. Who knows? See, see where the wind takes us. But uh, before we get into all that, you can find myself on Twitter, at my coast as always, on Twitter, at crazy toby. How we doing, man?
1: We're doing great, Bubba. It was wonderful to see you on Saturday and get some to spend some time with you and some of the other other lovely people same, involved same. in uh, in BARF. So uh, that was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it was. It was a blast. It was fun. Our little corner of the room, we had Eno uh, joining us. We always we always seem to get paired close to each other in the drafts. We always sit next to each other, but Eno is uh, hanging with us as well, and it was a lot of fun conversations. We had Maddie... Uh, right behind us, uh, it, it was it was a good good uh good good time as always. Like you said, the room was full and uh, lots of fun with barf. But uh, tough draft, tough room, tough room. Uh, it'd be fun now that I believe all the Earth drafts are done. Now I think they are. It'd be fun if the NFEC had an Earth draft ADP. Just throwing Ooh. it. Out there. I'm just just because you know they have them for TGFPI, they have them for Raz Slam, all those. Do you want huh. for Earth? There's what? There's what nine, 10 leagues uh, because that draft felt more like a potential like main event, the way pitching was going than any draft I've seen so far. So at worst, it'll give you guys that are drafting in Vegas in two weeks, an idea of a better ADP than there is now. Let's put it that way.
1: For sure. Yeah. And anytime you get me and Dalton Del Don, I mean, I don't even compare anything to Dalton, but when we get in the same room, draft and pitching, you better, you better be on your toes.
0: Yeah. Lots of, lots of stuff. Like when, um, I think I was pick I was 12, you were thirteen, I believe. Um, you were
1: thirteen, I was fourteen. Yeah. So
0: Mason was eleven, maybe 10, 11? I think he's right in front of me or two picks in front of me. So just to tell you how much pitching was going off the board, Mason was able to get Cedric Mullins in round three because the pitching was going nuts. And I was able to get tioscar Hernandez in round three, which is bonkers to go that late with Tioscar Hernandez. Like that's what pick forty-two um that's that's pretty good for t oscar and uh just kind of goes to show you what took place in that draft but it was a fun draft uh maybe we'll recap it at some point in time it's still kind of a blur to me at this moment i haven't even looked back at it yet it was a, a wild one the only thing i do know is i just did a speculation on alex colomay i like round 28 and then like 20 mm. minutes later it's not the best landing spot but it's a job so we'll yeah, see. In a and his, his profile
1: league, actually fits pretty well there. I mean, a lot, yeah. lot of ground balls and mm-hmm. uh, not a ton of home runs. And
0: everybody always clowns on Call of Man. He just Low threes VRA, gets saved like he's nothing flashy, but he's going to get a chance. So we'll see how that plays out. It's just literally a, a pure spec thing, and I thank Mason for that, is he took Art Warren right behind before me, and I was going to take Art Warren. So thank you, Justin Mason. Appreciate it. Um, All right. Enough barf talk. Let's talk some starting pitching. We'll start off with a 31 through 35 using NFBC OC ADP since 227 because of 16 drafts that have taken place since then. And um, it's it's a fun group. Some things might have changed from when we last left off. But uh, for the most part, this is where the dust is going to settle. So the 31st pitcher through 35, Frankie Montas with an ADP of 96.5, Luis Castillo 97, Yu Darvish 98, Blake Snell 104, and Shane McClanahan 108 and a half. How do you approach this range of pitchers?
1: Yeah, there's a, this is an interesting range. Um, Montas, I haven't drafted him yet, but he's really interesting. You know, last year, especially in the second half, he really improved you know, I think it was in, in 2020, he kind of moved away from the splitter and he brought that back last year. And I think he got a little bit of a velo bump too. So he looks really nice. He's pitching in Oakland. We don't know exactly for how long that's going to be since it looks like a fire sale there. And I do think that that ballpark helps him, um, helps him out a lot. And so, um, yeah, I, I think he's fine. I haven't drafted him yet, but I can see there's a lot of sharp people who are interested in him castillo is a fade for me i mean i think it's tough like around this spot we were i was in on him last year but i think now like we're getting a larger sample of what he can provide number one like are you just going to sit him for the first month of the season yeah. because he's so bad in cold weather hopefully you he's traded like, to a warm weather team That's maybe funny. he'll get treated to minnesota <laughs> oh, um <God. laughs> yeah that would be horrible but like you know, there's, so there's that piece of the equation too, because that's like a thing, you know, it really seems like the weather is a thing. So you sit him initially and just use him for when he's like better towards the end of the season. And then I also think, um, you know, the whip is just, has been a concern now for, you know, most of his seasons, if he doesn't run a super low babbip, which he's done twice, you know, then that whip is in the one twenties and you know, I'm not really I'm not really looking to get into that area of the whips um at this point in the drafts. Darvish is super interesting to me as well. I think the major thing for me is just injuries. You know, he's getting older, he's had a checkered injury history throughout his career. You know, he was bad towards the second half of last season, but if you look at the skills, they didn't change dramatically. I mean, they got worse, they didn't change dramatically, but the home run per fly ball rate surged. Um, the Babbitt surge. So not necessarily things that are sustainably bad, but he was battling injury and he's getting older. You know, there are injuries there. Um, he had an injury towards the back end of last season. I'm just not sure at this point in the draft, because like we talked about last time, you know, for me, the way I'm building my pitching, I'm going for two or three of those kind of, I'll probably have two or three starting pitchers by this time in the draft. And so this isn't really where I want to go with that, you know, fourth pitcher. Um, I think of everybody in this um, area. Snell is the one that interests me the most because I think the ceiling is incredibly high. And we saw last year in the uh, in the second half, he just he really took off. I mean, he was striking out guys at an insane level. The skills were kind of Cy Young, Blake Snell. There was a pitch mix change. I think there was a little bit of a velo bump in there as well. I think he moved away from his curveball. I want to say he was throwing a lot more strikes. He got the he got the walk percentage down as well. And so Snell is the guy for me in this group where I kind of see him and I'm like, I we know that that we know the ceiling is Cy Young uh, level, and he started to show that towards the end of last year, and that means something to me. So in this group, if maybe I only have two starting pitchers, maybe I look at Snell here as kind of you know, that, that elite guy that I can go to, obviously, I don't think he's going to hit, he's not going to throw you 200 innings. He's going to have shorter outings just because he, he can't be as efficient, but maybe with this new pitch mix, maybe with the lower walk total, he can be a little bit more efficient than he's been in the past. And I think with McClanahan, I'm interested in McClanahan. Um, I really liked him last year. I actually picked him up in fab. He was one of my big, um, you know, free agent spends from this past year, which turned out to be really successful but you know the thing that worries me a little bit is just the the mileage you know he did I think he faded a little bit down the stretch either with the fastball velocity or skill wise and so I just worry a little bit about that because he's never really been in this territory before I think he threw like as many innings last year as he'd thrown the the two previous ones so of these five I think Snell is the guy I like the most um And I'm not really targeting anybody else in this area, Um, except for maybe Montas. I do like him. How about you?
0: Yeah. Montas is, I think the only one I have
1: any shares of in this range. Like I don't
0: completely despise this range, but I feel like I'm taking pictures a few rounds earlier. Like that last podcast, we did a lot of those last like 10, maybe even 15 guys. I was a big fan of, Um, and then there's a slew of guys coming in like the next, you know, 15 coming up here that I like quite a bit. So Montas, I do like though. I like his, uh, with the splitter usage, I like a strikeout ability, you know, he's nearly a 20% K, K per walk guy for three straight seasons, a little below. Don't get me wrong, a little below, but he's been, he's been pretty good. You know, 19-3, 15-6, 20.3. So been very effective, K-25% for three straight years. It's always a walk issue. Uh, and then the home runs in 20 the home runs are horrible. Got back on track last year, which was a big, big plus for, uh, for Frankie Montas. So, I like pretty much everything about him. He was a horse, also as a season one hundred eighty-seven innings pitched. I think some people might be surprised by that. So that's a pretty pretty surprise. We got Rob DiPietro and Phil Dusso in the chat. My goodness, the Ooh. legends are gracing us with the presence. This is crazy, man. A lot a like- lot of
1: overall championships in that in that chat right now.
0: Yeah, I don't even know if I should be talking right now. But, um, yeah, Frankie Montas would be the guy for me. Luis Castillo, I think, careful, is this show that we talked about, I know I talked about it with Jenny Butler on an episode, that um, it feels like we're kind of, I don't know if it's doing a disservice with Frankie or with Luis Castillo or not. Yes, the first month was horrible. Yes, we know the weather thing with, with, with Luis Castillo. There's probably much more to it if you really want to dig in to the situation with him. But for the last, let's say, four to four and a half months of the season, he was pretty darn elite. Like, he was very, very good. And last year he was going in the second round, if not early third, for the most part. Um, And now we're getting him past pick 100. So we're getting the discount for the season he had. And so it becomes the question is, are we overthinking this with Luis Castillo or not? Because it's like if you can weather the storm for that first month, maybe don't even pitch him something. Yep, Phil, I didn't see the numbers, but yeah, I heard uh, the Yankees got Rizzo. Two years, 32 mil, not too shabby. Hmm. I think Castillo's interesting. Like I have no shares yet, but it's one that I kind of want to see if he falls in drafts, I would get him. You Darvish. I have none of, I'm still like, I think he does bounce back up, but I'm also concerned about the home runs. What sticky stuff are they going to let them use uh, injuries with Darvish? There's like a list of things that could be a concern with you Darvish uh, Blake Snell. He's the guy of the trendy, the trendy pick. Everybody's talking about, but he's not moving up in ADP. So that's interesting to me. Um, and Shane McClanahan, he was one of my favorite guys to go draft if, if we were starting May 1st. The shortened season helped him tremendously. Now I think there's a bit of a concern. So uh, I'm going to uh, to pass on him. So pretty much Frankie Montas for me as well. That's uh pretty much the boat we are in. All right. The next five we caught up here, the new San Francisco giant, Carlos Rodon. God. At 113.5, you got Tyler Molly at 128.7, Shane Baz one about 129, Chris Bass at the new Met, 129 and a half, and the conundrum that is Zach Gallen at 131.75. So what are you liking in this range?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, you know, Rodon is really difficult because he doesn't have to pitch a ton, you know, to earn back his value. Although I'm going, I think he's going to fly up draft boards now that he's now that he's signed, and I'm I'm sure he already is. You know, I have him my my uh, projections have him as the 52nd best player um, overall. Um, you know, and and he was at the time that I last pulled ADP, he was in the 130s. I know he's well yeah, above that. He's
0: uh right right now over the last two weeks, 113.5 in OCs, as high as 73. I'm imagining that 73 has been the last couple of days, so he is yeah. moving up. Big time. He yeah. went like eighty yeah, or something in our in bar. He, he was up there. in barf. See, yeah,
1: I, I'm going to stay away from it at that. I mean, you know, the thing is, the bat has him for 138 innings. ATC has him for 130. Steamer has him for 166. So on average, they're at about 145, and he's still at that level. So it's not like he needs to throw, you know, a ton of innings to to be great. Um, And maybe he's a guy that you want to pair when you have two studs up top, and you want to take a little bit of a of a gamble, you know, and, and maybe the volume isn't as important as the quality of the innings that you're getting from that point forward, but there's just too many injury concerns. I know everybody's excited. He signed with the giants and I think that is ideal for him. Um, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's a great landing spot for any pitcher. He's going to be fantastic there. Um, but you know, even when you look at his contract, you know, I think it's like, I think, something like he gets the 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 second option is triggered if he hits like a hundred and fifteen innings or something or like it's not a huge threshold that he has to hit and and it seems like a lot like two years and forty four million because it is, but it's only slightly higher than the qualifying offer, right? And there's an um, opt out
0: after the first year too.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I don't know why the contract is really changing things true too, too, too dramatically. And it's not like the giants aren't adding additional guys that they can throw Mm -hmm. in like Carlos Martinez and they've got BD. So they've got Jacob Junis. They've got plenty of guys Mm -hmm. that they can kind of fill in for Rodon. So I don't necessarily see it being as like a, a huge vouching for his, um, you know, for, for his health. Um, And obviously like on a per per inning basis, as long as the velocity is where it has been, I think he's, he's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, for Tyler Molly, I'm totally out on Molly. Um, if you look at him down the stretch, the stuff really faded Swing strike rate dropped, the walk rate increased. The O swing is hovering slightly below league average. Um, the strikeout rate fell as well. He's on a really bad team. He's not going to get a lot of wins. He doesn't go into deep into games because he's not very efficient. Like, I just don't see a lot to like about Molly this year. Um, wow. We've got the, 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 the chat is hopping. We've got Nick Pollock. We've got pitching is the best. We've got
0: two overall champions.
1: Holy cow. How am I supposed to stay focused? Um, turn
0: turn the chat off, Toby focus. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. I'm not going to look at the chat over there. I'm not going to let it impact me. Um, shame boss, you know, again, like, I'm just not going for him because I'm not going to throw this much without knowing more about a guy. I know there's a lot of smart people who who like him, who are in on him. The volume isn't going to necessarily be there, so it's like if I'm debating between for a guy who's not going to give me volume, I'd go with Carlos Rodon, you know, easily here because I've seen him, and as long as his velocity is what it what it was last year, I have no reason to believe he's not going to be one of the best pitcher, pitcher pitchers inning by inning. Whereas Boz, he still needs to prove himself a little bit. And he seems to have all the tools. He's been successful. You trust the Rays, but it's still not enough for me to be grabbing him, you know, at this point in, um, in drafts, Chris Bassett is a guy I haven't really drafted, but, you know, moving to the Mets is a good move for him. I mean, relatively lateral from a, from a pitching park perspective, but he's obviously on a much better offense, you know, with a decent bullpen there with the Mets as well. So you kind of like that. And he's a guy who, if you look at the metrics, like he's been improving year over year over year, and he's so darn consistent. So maybe he should be a guy that I'm looking at in this range. And I think I probably, I probably feel pretty good about snagging him. um, You know, not necessarily where he's going, but if he falls maybe a little bit, there's that bucket with like Eovaldi who's there as well, who I like a lot and Mania in that range. So whoever's kind of left over at that point in time, I'm interested in them as either an SP3 you know, or, or an SP four. Uh, and then Zach gallon, I'm, I'm off a of gallon. It sounds like it's not a huge shoulder issue, but it just kind of compounds, right? Like he had an interview today. He said it was just burst, It was bursitis in his right shoulder. It's not a big deal. He's been throwing. It hasn't interrupted his throwing program, but you know, he's obviously really good when he's healthy. There's questions of health. There's questions of how good that team is going to be. Um, and for those reasons, I'm I'm even though it's a steep discount compared to where he's gone in previous years, I'm out because I'm not quite sure he's that guy who's going to win you a league um, drafting him from this particular spot. I just I just can't really um, I can't really see it. So that's kind of my read on these guys. Not a lot of guys I'm interested in. I think Bassett slow and steady is great. And then if you want to take a risk, I would go after a Rodon versus a Boz, Even though Rodon now is going much higher than Boz, it sounds like.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of similarities here. Like Rodon, I was really out on him to begin with because I was just concerned about the injuries. Because he wasn't on the Giants? Well, that too, but just <laughs> the fact, like if your team won't give you a qualifying offer, like there's got to be. Common sense says something's wrong. I I, I could be wrong. like could easily be wrong, but it just doesn't seem right. And the Giants, they are like whispers. They figure things out, and Farhan, we trust. That's my, you know, that's our slogan, but... There's going to be a lot of cushion there. We talked about it with all the pitchers they have. There's ways to. You mentioned Beattie, Junis, Martinez. They even got Matt Boyd. They were looking to get Danny Duffy. Like these guys aren't world beaters, but they can give you a start or two here or there. Like they can fill in why these guys go on a random IL stint. That's just like what these Giants will do. Um, I hope. I hope Rodon's fine. As a Giants fan, I hope he's fine. As a fans player, I won't pay for the new ADP. Like if you get in a draft now and he's still hovering like around 110, 100 to one ten, cool. Let's rock and roll. I like guess Phil Douceau said he went and pick one Oh eight in his current big money DC. That's not horrible. Like I, I could see that being a good argument considering his ADP over the last two weeks, 113 in OCs, I could see it being much, much better. But, um, if he gets up there into the seventies and eighties, now I'm going to be a little more uh, cautious with that. So it's definitely a price thing with Rodon where I'm willing to take the risk a little more because he will be out there. His bullpens look good. It's early. I get it. But, uh, I still have some some concern in the back of my head. The Giants fan in me, ecstatic. The fantasy player in me who's very cautious when I draft, concerns. Uh Tomali, I do like. I get what you're saying. I even pulled up his like velocity charts on um on, on Savant. And they dropped around like April first, give or take. That was like a big drop. And then they kind of fluctuated in that drop range. Like he was around, you know, ninety four to ninety five, and then all of a sudden, like August first hits and he drops down to like ninety three. He fluctuated between 93 and 94 the rest of the year. So that part's interesting. And his slider was getting pounded last year. So that's another like just getting destroyed at times last year. So those are the things we got to figure out with Tyler Molly. The strikeout stuff is legit. That's something I like a lot. Uh, maybe he's also on the trade block too. So let's just cross our fingers that he can go somewhere with a pitching guru that can help out. Like I know the Dodgers have been linked to him. Um, that would not be a bad place to go. Just put him somewhere nice and he becomes much more attractive. I have taken some shares of him as my, my SP four for the strikeout upside that he can bring to the table. Um, And like, I think the other reason I'd have to like really dig in on Tyler Molly. But if you think August 1st, that gives him two months of the season through 180 pitches last year. Like that is a tremendous spike in his workload. We talk about workload on a lot of these guys. He had 47 in 2020 and 2019, He had, between the minors and the bigs, he had 136. That was his career high before the 180 last year. Like, like The the concerns I have with Julio Urias, maybe I should have the same with Molly, but the price is much different, of course. So I like Molly. I love the strikeout appeal. I'm hoping uh, there's more to him. And even the projections have him like between 160 and 170. So they're kind of taking a step back with him as well. Um, Shane Baz, I'm with you. I love the stuff. The dude's legit, but probably a next-year thing because I don't believe the Indians will be there either uh chris bassett always a big fan there's a lot of smart people that say you know he's kind of a quote-unquote lucky pitcher gets away with stuff because the stuff's not that great you mentioned the mets he's a pitcher man like I'll, i'll roll with chris bassett so i do have a few shares of chris bassett for sure and then gallon's been off my draft list all year i agree i saw the video of him in the locker room saying you know the results came back this is what it is so on and so forth that's fine and all most players think they're healthy that's part of life but um I'm still worried. Not going to be, uh, you know, as Phil DeSou and Ron DiPietro says, Gallon needs Doctor Dave, not Brent Strom. So uh, we need we need some answers for uh, for Zach Gallon. I'm going to be off of that. So for me, I can see the Rodon at the right price, like Molly Bassett's probably my favorite in this range. All right, 41 through 45. You got Pablo Lopez at 136, Ian Anderson at 138, Luis Garcia 140, Nate Iovaldi at one forty and Sean Manaya at one forty. I wrote this list Monday night and the Garcia Ivaldi Manaya thing has flipped completely. I just read it how it is now. So Lopez, Anderson, Garcia, Evaldi Manaya. How do you like those five?
1: Wait, what does it flip to now?
0: Because on the on the outline it's Lopez, Ian Anderson that stayed the same. But then it was Manaya, Garcia, Ivaldi. Now it's Garcia, Evaldi Manaya. Manaya dropped all the way to the bottom of this
1: grouping. Bring Uh, it. Yeah, well, Love technically,
0: it. like Garcia and Evaldi have the same ADP, and Mania is like 0. 0.25 behind them, so they're all about okay. the same ADP.
1: And th- and this, I don't know about this full group, but I know Garcia is going to move up. Um, yes,
0: with all the McCullers' know. news for sure. McCullers yeah. will be out for a little while, so because every day it's something new. It's like multiple setbacks, and then today he had a PRP injection. Like the dude's not healthy at all. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm I'm super pro. Uh, Luis Garcia moving up. I know there's some really smart, smart people who like him a lot. I do not. So, um, let's start with Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez, I mean, if the guy could throw a ton of innings, he'd be like a top three round pitcher. I mean, he's got every single thing that you want. He's got an incredibly high O swing at 37.4% last year. He's always had a really high one, which is fantastic. Means he doesn't walk a ton of guys. Career 6.5% his swinging strike rate right around 12%, which is great in zone contact rate below league average, which is nice. You know, he's doing everything like nothing is scary. The home runs per nine are for relatively low. Like ground ball rate is generally high with him, like around 50%, hover 48.7 for his career. So he does everything that you want, but what's the most innings that he's ever thrown? hundred and eleven in a season that's the most pablo lopez has ever thrown and so i can't really go there especially with the other guys that are going around him i can't go with lopez Plus his shoulder issues exactly like i love him on an inning per inning basis up there with some of the best pitchers right but i just can't go there like because i mean what's the most you're gonna get 140 innings maybe maybe like maybe Um, And that's just not something I can go with because there's guys going closer to this where like your Rodons that um, are going to throw much more elite um, pitches. So I'm not really into him. I couldn't be more off of Ian Anderson. Um, He really sucked down the stretch. Um, Last 10 games, rolling average, his in-zone contact rate was up at 87%, the highest it's been in his career. His O swing has always been lower than league average, which is awful because it means that his walk rate is going to be relatively high. It was at 11.3%, his walk rate. Um, His walk rate was higher or even with, oh, slightly below his swinging strike rate, which also dipped a little bit. His K rate was at 20.4%. Over the full season, he was at 13.3% K-walk minus rate, which is worse than league average. And over the last 10 games, um, it was at 9%, which is well below um, uh, league average, which is actually, it's kind of garbage. So Ian Anderson, no interest in him whatsoever. Um, for, uh, for Sean Manaya, I think some bad luck really papered over, or not papered over, like really, uh, what's the word? Obscured, maybe? Really obscured how good of a season Sean Manaya had last year. You know, the O-swing was strong at 32.5%, right around where he's been throughout his career. He had the lowest in-zone contact rate of his career at slightly below 82%. Um, his, he was getting ahead more than he's gotten ahead before in his career. His swinging strike rate was the highest it had been in his entire career. His K-walk minus was at 20.3%, which is fantastic. You know, his walk rate for, I mean, forever he's been great at walks. His career level is at 6%, which is wonderful. You love to see it. But at the same time, even though the ball was deadened, even though he pitched in Oakland, he still had the highest home run per nine of his career at 1.25. Probably expect a little bit of regression there. He also had the highest BABIP of his career at 318, about 20 points higher than his career um, average. So when those things, that's the reason I think why his ERA is higher than some of the um, uh, i some of the estimators that he had, a 3.91 ERA. That's why the whip was high at 1.23. But uh, I think if he can continue this, if he has the same velo bump that he had last year, you're looking at a guy who I think can put together a 3.5 ERA um, and a sub 1.2 whip, uh, which is really valuable here. If he stays in Oakland, it's great for him ballpark-wise. It does suck for wins. But if he does get traded like is expected, depending on where he goes. Well, Phil, ha- Phil
0: has a question for you. How does your your valuation change from a night if it gets traded to the White Sox or the Twins? Worse parks, but better offenses.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, the thing is, I don't think he's going to have worse than a 1.25 home runs per nine, honestly. Like I just, that's pretty, that's pretty extreme for him. And so I would say that, um, I mean, Phil, you're the smart one who does like, this is what like this is what his era would change by I mean I don't know like I'll just plug in the projections and be like, oh, it looks like they went up by this much
0: um pitch this ass is the fastball velocity sticking
1: around? I don't know that's why we have spring training, right? I mean gosh guys, you're like you're asking me questions that have no analytical bearing whatsoever' uh, putting
0: Toby right? on the spot I'm a big fan I, of this I right could now
1: do, I could do I could do some research and try to figure out how many pitchers that bumped up their velo one and a half miles per hour continued to have it. I think they generally tend to keep the velocity. So, I mean, I think having pretty similar numbers to what he had last year with maybe a, uh, a little bit lower whip just to compensate for the high Babbitt that he had last year, you know, so a sub four ERA, a one, two whip. Um, the one thing that you might see is a little bit of a bump in the strikeout rate for him because, Oakland is not a great place for strikeouts because of the large foul territory it has. So um, yeah, so that's that's what I would say. I really like Manaya a lot. With Luis Garcia, there's a lot of really smart people who like him. I'm super concerned, honestly. Let me see if I can pick the right Luis Garcia. That's always like half the battle um, when I'm looking at him in Fangrass. And I did not choose the right one. <laughs> but I'm gonna get the exact numbers here. But over his last I want to say it was it was either his 10 or five games. He really, I mean, like really struggled with his walks. And in the postseason, he also struggled horrifically with his walks. I can't remember what it was. I think somebody pointed it out for me. It was something like 12 walks in 15 innings. Now, that wouldn't be that much of a concern, but you're talking about a guy who was pitching more innings than he's ever pitched before in his career, very high leverage innings as well. I think he also saw velo dip. Yeah, so his Z contact um, you know, got worse. His O swing dropped to about league average. His Ks over his last 10, this is Luis Garcia, 21% over his last 10. Swinging strike rate was still t- solid at 12.4%. Walk rate jumped up to 8.2%. Let's see. If you look at his last five, though, the walk rate was at 9.7% higher this, than the swinging strike rate, which was at 9.5%. You had the Z contact up at 88%. You had the strikeout rate down at 15%. And again, he had that brilliant outing against the Red Sox in the the playoffs. But even including that, he had 12 walks in 15 innings pitched. Just like a ton of red flags for me there. Let me just see if we had a dip in Velo um, as well. Just really quickly here. I'll check it out. Uh, Actually, his Velo went up a little bit towards the end of the season. Um, which is good news. So I'm kind of out on him. Um, you know, I can definitely see the upside. He's highly skilled. He's in a great situation with the Astros. There's just a few too many red flags for me um, to be invested in Garcia. So he's a guy that I'll enjoy watching move up the boards um, so that I can take other guys like the next guy, which is Nathan Aovaldi, um, also known as Nathan Bloomboards Aovaldi. Yes. Um, because he always shows up on the Bloomboards. The thing that I love about Yovaldi is the walk rate. Super low, really over the last 3 um, you know, not so great in 2019 with the Sox, but like since since then, I mean, un, a sub 2 walk rate, you know, per game. Um 4.6% last year, 3.5% the year before, you know, with a 25% plus K minus uh, or uh, strikeout percentage uh higher than 20% K minus walk. The swinging strike rate, 13%, 12.5%. You know, he had a, 3. a 3.26 and a 3.36 BABIP. So elevated BABIPs the last two years. But, you know, like there's only down, I think, for that BABIP to go, you know, if you regress it even a little bit. And even with those high BABIPs, because of the low walk rate, you know, he still has a really nice ERA, um, even though it was much higher than the estimators, and a, and a 1.19 um, whip last year, one2 know in the 2020 season i just think he's really good i think he's really really good the O swing is up as well keeping that walk rate low i love low walks because then even if they give up home runs yep no it's it's all right shots it's all right so that's that uh that was really long i apologize bubba but uh i like Evaldi and mania in this group right here and i'm passing on the other guys
0: and you said you think Evaldi's good don't worry toby he is good he's very good like uh, uh it, that was always the running joke with like me and bloom because uh he does the amazing bloom board so the more people notice that than listen to my dopey podcast or are my my silly writing and um i've been pro and but he knew it too so he'd always message me hey i got a new one for you tomorrow <laughs> and it was like like evaldi's just that good um he's moving up in ADP this year compared to years past, which kind of is a bummer given there's a guy I love a lot that's going in the next grouping that I think is going too low. So we'll get to him shortly. But I love Evaldi, trying to grab him where I can. It's like it's that time of the year where you kind of push guys up in drafts. Like I'm in a, a slow draft right now, a two-hour clock, just kind of – I am waiting to do the serious stuff, and I'm kind of like another week trying to get a little more news. Like Rizzo just dropped. Let's get Freeman. Let's get – like I don't want this random Tatis Jr. out three months plus crap. Like let's get all this out in the open – and rock and roll. So um, I just did a slow draft to see where things going. Yeah, the ADPs are changing quickly. So like I'm, I'm starting to jump, guys. Like I moved Reese Hoskins up like three rounds. I'm going to start moving dudes up, get my dudes, build my team, and go from there. And Evolve is going to be one of those guys. I have a feeling, just because I told it, I said it on this show. I think our recap show last year when we kind of reevaluated kind of what went right, what went wrong, and both of us kind of was more what went wrong. Just kind of what you do. And for me, it was the power department and the strikeout like strikeouts for my pitchers. So that's like why I like Molly a little bit is just because at worst, he's getting me strikeouts. Um, and I don't think he's going to blow me up type thing. Evaldi, he can get you ratios, strikeouts, you name it. The dude's good. Um, you know, some will point to the Indians concerns, but I, I'm not too concerned about it. I really, he's, he's built for this type of situation. And he, he like he didn't even wear down last year. So love Evaldi, a uh, long way of saying that. Pablo Lopez, I'm out on as long as that shoulder issue is as bad as it is, staying away. Ian Anderson, I just like other players in this area. Like the stuff can be good, the control's horrible, as you mentioned, and that can take you out of games real quickly. So um, I'll pass on that regard. Uh, Mania, he's one of those guys we talk about. Like I guess he could be kind of other people's version of why I like Chris Bassett. Like people say Bassett kind of gets lucky and does things. I watch Mania starts a lot. Because, like, I watch games every time I record a podcast. And if the Giants aren't on, I'll put the A's on. And Mania looks like I could hit him when I see him. He just looks like a soft toss lefty. Like, doesn't look flashy. Doesn't do a whole lot that scares me. But he gets the job done. His, his is decent. He gets strikeouts. Um, it's like So he's one of those, we talk about it all the time, Rob's in the chat, the biases. Like, I just have, like, a bias towards Manaya that I have to kind of figure out. And we are, we're all guilty of that stuff. So, I don't have any shares to Sean because I feel like he's just such a, when he gets lit up, it's lit up like a Christmas tree. Like it's, it's bad, bad stuff. It's not like a, you know, four run outing. It's like a 12 run outing, it feels like. So, um, I, I pass on Mania. Last but not least, I agree Luis Garcia is great. I don't have any of Luis Garcia. I wanted to hit on what what Nick Pollock put in here. Christian, uh, curious Javier gets more chances or it's Oda Rizzi. It's all Christian Javier. That's what we're rooting for. At least that's what I'm rooting for. Big-time strikeout stuff. I was drafting him late in D.C. just knowing he'd get a window somewhere of starts with all the concerns with that rotation. Roster Resource has him in the rotation right now. Again, not the end-all be-all with Roster Resource. That's that's just a speculation. But Christian Javier, he he flourished. If it was starting, long relief, massive strikeouts. He had like 130 Ks and 112 innings or something like that. Dude's filthy. Really, really good. And that's the beauty of it. It's not like he was a kind of spot starter that threw like 70 innings. He got a good chunk of innings. So he can take that step to like 140, maybe 150, and you wouldn't be that shocked about it. And at his ADP's well, he's not even on this list. He's out of the top sixty. Um, he becomes very, very intriguing to me. So I hope it's I hope it's Christian Javier. That's where I will
1: be going. I hope they sign Zach Granke. Oh, I Granke. wouldn't surprise me,
0: honestly, with the McCullers. I wouldn't surprise or they might trade for Tyler Molley or like I wouldn't be surprised if they go and make a move. I'm with you there. With as as like I said, each day with the McCullers news coming out, it's like they're saying he's just uh, setbacks, but this could be like a couple months. I think like this yeah. is one of those where even when he comes back, it's like okay, here's three innings. Here's like we're gonna baby the crap out of you. Is what it feels like. So I'm not sure. All right. Forty-six to fifty. We getting a little deeper here, a lot a little murkier, as they say. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, pick one forty-eight. We have uh, Michael Kopech one fifty-one, Trevor Bauer one fifty-one, Framber Valdez one fifty-three, and Eduardo, my boy, Rodriguez, about one fifty-five. About fifty picks too late. So, um, what's
1: your thought on this range? Um, I have zero of all of these guys. You have no Erod. I have I no. Thought we were friends. I, I thought like we my were I like my pitchers to have a sub one point three whip. That was Generally. his defense's fault.
0: That was his defense's fault.
1: Well, aovaldi didn't have a. Iovaldi didn't have one. rod's right? a heavy
0: ground ball guy.
1: He had bad defense bad defense all right all right all right. I think gonna, it could, gonna, i right i'm just
0: gonna i'm just gonna throw stuff at the wall until it sticks trust me because i I love you um yeah, he oh
1: did have no it, he nick did. you
0: can leave too
1: <laughs> i mean so here's well i i don't want to i don't want to pick on you no, but hey if you here are LA, here are his here are his whips in mm-hmm. his career 139 133 126 128 130 129 so the lowest he's ever had in his career is one, two, six, which doesn't mean he couldn't get lower, but it's just, it's tough. It's tough, but he is in a much better place in terms of like the tigers and, and that ballpark. Um, so Clayton Kershaw, you know, the injuries, I just haven't, I haven't gone after him after Kershaw. It's not really like an, this isn't really like with Kershaw, it's not really an analysis thing, right? It's not like, I think Kershaw, he pitches is going to be good. And I was a little encouraged by his comments where he was like, I, he's like, he's like, once I knew I was healthy, you know, I wanted to go back to the Dodgers. And so it sounds like he feels like he's fully healthy, which, but again,
0: which, which makes things funny. Cause he said, he narrowed it down to the Rangers, his hometown team and the Dodgers. And it's like, once I felt healthy, I'm going to go to the Dodgers. Yeah, like I he know. was going to go to the Rangers when he was.
1: And, and he was also like, and I want to win. And it's yeah. kind of like, Ooh, Corey, yeah. see left the Rangers part there. out then. Yeah. <laughs> Um. So yeah, I mean, I think the innings will be good. Just major questions about what those innings, you know, are are going to be and um, God, I couldn't even tell you how well he pitched last year. But it was
0: great in his he, whatever innings he threw. Like that's, I think we said it even in the pre-deal last year. One twenty-one. Like we said, even if you get just like a hundred and fifty out of him last year, you were going to be happy. One twenty-one was still great. It's just because yeah. he's so good with what he does. Like it's yeah. just. It's the old, and you're not paying for him this year, but I'm sorry to cut you off. It's just like, it's it's such, no, no, a, no. it's such a weird dynamic with him because we talk about like, you know, Pablo Lopez won't throw enough. Shane Bowes won't throw enough. But there's like so much volatility in those piles. where Kershaw, as long as he's pitching, because even if the arm falls off, he'll stop pitching. As long as he's yeah. pitching, like those are going to be good outings. And that's like, at least like the old, the old saying, if like a great pitcher has good starts two out of three times, he's a great pitcher. Like that, I've said that for years. I'm a diehard Giants fan. We grow up to hate the Dodgers. I hate the fact Dodgers are getting players. I love like, I cannot like, not like Clayton Kershaw. He's like awesome. And yeah. Okay. Back to you. But it's, it's crazy how efficient he is basically.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, he's, he's been really good whenever he pitches and he's not going too late. I mean, so maybe this is a guy, maybe you have like, you know, two really good starting pitchers or three really good starting pitchers in your roster. And you're just like, you want to know something? Screw it. I'm just going to take one of these guys, right. Whoever falls that you feel like is going to provide you great inning per inning pitch pitching. But, um, you know, it is, is, um, you know, maybe not going to throw that much. I mean, I probably won't grab them because I'm often, I really like the hitters that are going at this area of the draft. And so I'm probably not in on any of these guys partially for that as well. That's largely what's happening with Kopech. I think I was really into him kind of heading into this year. And I just, I mean, the skills are off the chart. He's obviously going to be starting, so not going to be that good. But you can see them kind of babying him a little bit with his innings pitch, not going deep into games, you know, so not, not, not having as easy access to wins. And I think, again, like he should be pretty good inning to inning, but I like the hitters here too much, so I'm passing on them. With Bauer, there's obviously the question of like the suspension and stuff like that. Just like I'm, I'm not drafting him. Like um, I'm not interested in drafting him. I'm not interested in drafting Ozuna. You know, I don't draft Chapman. Like, and that's just something that we're for me. Like, I like to enjoy the. I like to enjoy my teams, and I don't enjoy rooting for those guys. And you know, whatever it is, I just I'm just not really interested in those guys. So they're kind of off my my radar but we know like if Bowers healthy and he pitches like this is going to be a, you know a massive value and if there's any clarity in his situation that value you know will evaporate um once once there's any type of you know decision about what he's going to get um you know this year in terms of suspension Framber Valdez I mean the elite ground ball guy you know he's the same thing where he walks a ton of guys but he's just able to compensate for That by generating a ton of ground balls and he so he doesn't give up a lot of home runs and that's totally fine thing to do you know sometimes he gets babbitt because of that he doesn't have like the k-rate necessarily but he's on a great team he can pitch relatively deep into games he's gonna get wins um he's a guy that like earlier in the draft season i was going after more but i just love the hitters that are going around this spot Um, so I haven't been getting any shares of, of, of Framber and, you know, there's like that elite level that Framber could reach where, Mm -hmm. you know, he does something and that swinging strike rate goes up, you get some Babbitt block in a season. And then you're looking at a guy who's got low ERA, low whip, really nice strikeouts and just an absolute ton of wins. So I can see, definitely see a ceiling and I feel like the floor isn't too low, Although I do have a little bit of concerns about like what that whip end uh, ends up looking like with the combination of walks and hits because he gives up so many ground balls, um, and then uh, Erod, I do think that Erod's got a lot of skills and he's super interesting and I always find myself considering him. But again, in this part of the draft, I'm oftentimes not looking for pitchers at all, and that whip scares me. Like you can see him get take going to that next level, right? You can see him getting to that next level. But then I look at his whip and I'm like, I, I need him to have a better whip than he's ever had in his career in order to draft him. And I'm just not sure that I can, I can bet on that at this point. And so that means that, you know, the the hitters are the ones that are going to get the priority at this point in the draft. But like, I will say like a 20.4% percent k minus walk rate is great. You have 16.1%, 18.3%, 17.2% the last four years. So above league average, you know, every single year and well above league average you know, more recently. So I would just say, you know, that is a reason um, to go after Erod if you are so inclined, but I haven't found myself going there yet.
0: And this pitcher list guy, he says he doesn't have a big enough repertoire, but whatever. Um, he, I'll have to go to pitcherlist.com. I tweeted it out the other day I, I when I dug in on Sunday Gray, and then Nick was kind enough to, to DM back and forth with me to answer some questions. Because I've admitted for years, pitching is like the thing I keep trying to learn more of. It's just there's so much of it, and there's so many little things. But uh, that pictureless website's got some just – it's awesome. Like the player pages, there's so much stuff, more stuff than you probably need. But uh, So I'll have to go look at the repertoire on that later. But um, real quick, Toby, uh, what division did Erod pitch in last year? He pitched in the AL East. Where's he pitching this year?
1: Uh, he's pitching in the AL Central. That's a really good point. Mm, okay. so, uh, what
0: ballpark did he pitch in last year?
1: Um, he pitched in Fenway. Where's he gonna pitch this year? Uh, Comerica, but I will say, I will say, Fenway isn't that good of a hitters park, it's a good Babbitt Park, yes, not a great home run park. No, but Comerica is pretty similar, good yeah. Babbitt Park, not a good home run park.
0: And the, the defenses are humongous differences. Like, I remember I wrote about it when he was signed by Detroit, and it was, I was shocked at how bad the defense was. And, um, it's not Cincinnati Reds bad. But it was bad. It was it was very, very bad. So, I love Erod. Again, I, I'm just a huge fan of what he can do. I think he's much better than the 150 ADP with the strikeouts. I think he's going to get a lot of wins. Um, the other question I do have for you, and this is not me trying to just p- poke fun. It's a legit question because your strategy when you go pocket aces is to lock up ratios pretty comfortably. So why can't you afford a guy with a blip on the whip?
1: A blip on the whip? Do you like that? i Air like 40. that a lot actually mm-hmm. um so the reason i cannot afford a blip on the whip is you can't sleep on whip you can't sleep on your ratios you can't take unnecessary risks okay. like for instance if i if i want a guy who i think is going to have a sub four era and a low whip and get me a decent amount of wins i'm going to draft marco gonzalez in round you know whatever 22 you, you're willing to sacrifice the strikeouts. 21 I mean, yeah, like a little bit, because I have strikeouts I with my, yeah, a little bit because I have the strikeouts with my, with, with, for this, for the same reason, like with the ACEs up at the top. So I'm not as concerned about, you know, getting those. So yes, I theoretically could, but also because I've gone heavy ACE early, like I also, that's why you're to, picking bats. Yeah. I need to take VATS and volume. So, and this is a really sweet spot in the draft. Yeah. For, for Yeah. I just
0: wanted to ask, cause I know that's one thing we talk about with the part of the purpose of pocket aces so i just wanted to for the listeners if they're curious of why you continue to do the thing because it works for you and it makes a lot of sense i just wanted to bring it up in that scenario that um there is still a method to the madness as you go through like you, you're very scripted not like to a t but you have your your system that works very very well but yes i love you, Rod kershaw i'm gr- it's growing on me it's like i wanted nothing to do with him until he signed somewhere because i really didn't know where that uh, elbow was, and now it's starting to come. But um, I think I think I could see myself in the right situation buying in on him, probably more so in a 12-teamer, personally for me, because I know there's replacement value out there. We're like a 15 at this point in the draft. If I'm going to take a pitcher, I want a guy that I can pretty much lock in for a while because he's probably your SP3, SP4. And in in this Like this is about round 9 or 10 in a 15-team league. So you, to me, I still want some more stability there because as you get deeper in that 15 – stability goes out the window so um I, I that's my only concern there um Kopech big fan of not sure the innings though so that that's a question mark He was another guy short in season big fan of that uh, I think he's legit if you want to play the game get the, the strikeouts early hope the ratio stick and then when they start babying his innings do something else sure but uh, there will be some babying of innings for Michael Kopech and then um yeah, Bauer. I echo what you're saying. I get it. If people want to take the chance, because he could be an insane value, like an insane value, if things play themselves out. And you know, we had different conver- There were different conversations on Saturday about it, and uh, I could see all kinds of different scenarios playing out, like people discussed. So, if he does play 162, he's a value here, and like you said, that'll change the ADP automatically. It'll it'll go. Um, Frammer, Framber's funny because I love Frammer, Big Frammer fan. He's an accumulator. He's not like overly dominant, but he goes like six, seven innings all the time. And that's how he gets you like your 1K per nine. He gets you the wins, like great for quality starter leagues. And it's all about that ground ball rate, like you mentioned. So no problem with Framber. He just has to keep going deep. If he starts walking too many guys and, he, and the outing goes short, the overall stat line is going to really look bad. So just keep that. He's kind of like a Barrios sort of. But uh, in, in that regard, he accumulates what he does. But I love Erod, always will. Going to look into Kershaw some more. That, that's starting to seem a little more intriguing for me. All right, 51 through 55. We've got Luis Severino at 157. Uh, Logan Gilbert at 159. Sonny Gray at 159.5. Uh, Mike Clevenger at 168. And Ranger Suarez at 170. Were you attacking this range?
1: Yeah, Luis Severino is awful. He's just horrible. Just stay... Away from the guy. the last time he was healthy, he just got slaughtered. And I remember it distinctly. I I have every bias in the world against uh, Luis Severino. So I'm not interested. And also just like, I mean, let's see the guy pitch healthily. I mean, that's like literally my analysis on like Severino and Clevenger is essentially that. And then Ranger Suarez, it's like, I actually think Ranger Suarez is getting a little bit of a hard time. Like he was certainly lucky last year. But he also showed some, I think, good skill, high ground ball rate, all that jazz. But I'm off of him just because he's going to get a late start. Yeah, we don't even. Um, know. When he's, they, they literally stopped you know, his we, throwing
0: program. They stopped yeah, his program. That's how we, bad it is.
1: We don't know. We don't know when he's going to be able to come over, and so which sucks. I mean, that really sucks for him. But he's kind of off my board for that reason. So looking at the other two guys, uh, Logan Gilboard is really interesting. I was really into him earlier in the season, but again, he's just falling in this range where I'm just. I'm grabbing hitters. I'm not really looking at pitchers in this spot, but, but I might try to get at least one share of Gilbert. It just feels like, um, I mean, he had a 20% K minus walk rate, 12.4% swinging strike rate. You know, the O swing was nice. The Z contact was nice. Everything was really, really nice. So it feels like he, he was unlucky Four six eight ERA with a three, seven, three, um, FIP, you know, he's got a nice repertoire. He's got that, um, He's got that pedigree as well. You know, he's got 10%, 10.5% uh, swinging strike rate on his four-seamer. The slider has 18.1% swinging strike rate. The changeup has 16.4. So he's got, you know, a 10 for his 10 swinging strike rate on the four-seam and then two pitches with 15% or higher. I mean, I really like that a lot. Um, and the walk rate is really low. So he's right around the zone, which is really nice. And, he, and he's able to dominate there. So I like him um, for that reason. It's just not going where again. I, tr- I traditionally grab um, any pitchers in this range whatsoever, but he would be easily be the guy in this group that I would go after. Sonny Gray, there's just too many issues. I know, um, uh, I know you're going to have a lot of good thing or a lot of things to say about him because you just wrote the article. But for me, like you know, the skills are on the decline. You know, last year over his last ten, the Z contact was up close to ninety percent. The O swing was low. It's always been relatively low, which has resulted in a high walk rate. You know, the K rate dipped significantly. The swing strike rate was sub 10%. The walk rate was at 8.6%. Um, and I think the challenge for me with him is he's just always gotten away with, you know, a super high walk rate, you know, 8.7%, 11.1%, 9.6, 9.8. He always walks just a crap ton of guys and he's gotten away with it because of, contact management but once that starts to slip a little bit you know or he starts to give up home runs like he did last year then it can go south very very quickly for him and so for that reason i'm kind of sticking shying away um from him and i have for the last couple of seasons for for better or worse
0: yeah this is a uh, an interesting group to say the least uh, severino passed for me Gilbert, I agree with what you said. There's a lot to like there, especially as the season went on. I love I love seeing that with young pitchers where they can they get the adversity, but he kept grinding. Because like the buzz when he came up, the great stuff, all this, all this stuff. And it was rocky. It was it was not great. But I hate when teams send guys back down, they give them their shot, the Mariner stuck with them. And I think they're going to benefit tremendously from that this year. Because he 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 got that adversity. Worked on, you know, being a better pitcher, pitch mixing things in the big league level, which is way different to the minor leagues. So I, I like what we got there with Logan Gilbert. We know the stuff's great. It's just like kind of take that next step. Like just continue to go, go deeper into games. Give me six innings regularly. Like do stuff like that. I think he's got potential to be sneaky, sneaky good. And this time next year, he might be going 7,500 picks. Certain. Like he, he's got that potential to make a jump. Let's put it that way. Um, Sonny Gray, I do like a lot. I agree with what you said, though. That's the conundrum of Sonny Gray. Um and a lot of like and this is where Nick like Nick was so kind to to chat with me because I'm sitting there looking at things, but he looks even deeper at things. I'm like I'm looking at stat cast pages and I'm looking at, at Nick's uh pitcher list stuff and it's like okay, he throws his fastball a ton and it gets just blown up. But his like slider and his curveball and his uh I think it's I totally just zoned out on his fourth pitch where they get to the change up. Or no, it's a uh, sinker. Sinker. Um it, they're super effective i'm like why don't you start mixing those in more and uh he said well the slider doesn't get any swings and misses it doesn't it like doesn't it's i think the average in baseball is like a 62 percent the like whiff rate or something and this thing's in like the high 40s low 50s it's it's horrific like it's bad bad what it does um so that's the problem with the slider it gets a lot of ground balls they can't hit it very well but no strikeouts with it um the fastball gets hit. Everything else doesn't get hit that hard. He he gets good success with it. He gets strikeouts. Um, I guess the plus is it's Minnesota outside of Great American Small Park. Like, the, just the changes in yeah, 51% strike rate. Uh, you need 63% to be average in baseball. That's his slider. He can't find the zone with it at all. And his chase rate's garbage, like you mentioned. So, like, I, I what you're saying, dead on. Like, I get it. But that change in ballpark alone, like, I did the, just look at the park factors. Um, the three main, like Woba's home runs, and just overall parks, Cincinnati's top three in all of those. Number one in home runs, by the way. Uh, Minnesota's bottom half in all three of those. And then it gets better because Sonny Gray, it's the sinker, the slider, even the curveball gets tons of ground balls. And that Cincinnati defense was bottom like two or three in all the baseball last year, like runs – like run saved, out, outs above replacement, anything you want to mention, any stat, they're they're garbage. Where the twins are like twelfth, eleventh, or twelfth in baseball, just those minute things go a long ways. Like just it sounds so silly, and I'm not making like some side young pitcher, but I think it brings a much better floor to Sonny Gray now, and that's what's appealing to me. And even last year, when um, looking at the ups and downs of Sonny Gray. One thing that was very interesting to me when uh, analyzing Sonny Gray over his career, you know, he had the 10.31K per nine. His last three years, he had great strikeout rates, but um, he threw 135 innings, which was low for him because he had a lat injury, a back injury, and uh, something else. He had three different weird injuries, but it was the home run to fly ball at one point, or home run per nine, 1.269, home run to fly ball at 16.5. Those are both of his worst numbers since 2016 with the A's. So like they're to me, they're kind of potentially outliers, we hope. But long way short, I like Sonny Gray this year. I'm not reaching to get Sonny Gray. I do think there's a lot to like though, just shifting ballparks, better defense, better division. Uh the like the the NL Central is not bad, but he was on one of the bad teams. Like now he goes to the AL Central where you get to face some rough squads. So I do like Sonny Gray. Uh Rangers I would love to take him, like as Phil Dusso said the Power Ranger, but when? When do we get rangers Suarez? That's the shame in the thing. I think he's a great D.C. pick right now. I'll say that much. Great D.C. pick because he will come back eventually and pitch for the Phillies. Season-long babblings tough. And then um, no club dog for me. No club dog for me. So I like Sonny Gray here. And Logan Gilbert, quite, quite interesting. All right, 56 through 60, we have the Irish Panda himself, Patrick Sandoval at pick 187. You have Marcus Stroman At 188, Adam Wainwright at 194, Noah Sindergaard at 195, and Tariq Skubal at 196. Honestly, uh, there's a couple
1: guys I like here. The rest I have not drafted at all. Yeah, I don't have any of any of these guys. I think Um, Sandoval is definitely the most interesting to me because I think um, Sandoval. Well, mostly because Nick's in the chat. I (laughs)
0: think (laughs)
1: that's that's the primary reason why why, um, I'm going with, uh, Patrick Sandoval. Um, but no, really, I mean, Sandoval has everything that you want in a pitcher. He has the high ground ball rate. Um, he, has the better than 50% ground ball rate. Uh, he's got the elite swinging strike rate, you know, really has throughout his career. Nice K minus walk. He does struggle with the walk issues, but that bump in the O swing is really nice. He can dominate in the zone. Um, and so there's a little bit less concern, you know, for that, because he is making some, uh, some progress there. But the major issue for me is just injury concerns, you know, and, and that walk rate, you know, it's a little bit concerning. Um, but I, I can see like just the strikeout stuff and the ground ball rate, um, generate some concern for me. And we saw him have a stretch there where he was just lights out. And if he could put that together and be consistent, but I think, you know, his struggle throughout has been kind of consistency, um, Stroman is a little bit, he's a tough one for me because I mean, he's getting better. I feel like, and he dropped the, the sinker usage last year, increased the, ch- the cutter usage. He's got, you know, two or three pitches that are 15% plus in terms of swinging strike rate, but that sinker is just such a drain, but it's also why he's so effective because, you know, doesn't give up a ton of home runs, you know, a ton of ground balls. He generates, and it's worked to be a really nice balance. And so the question is, I mean, if he was going to re, you know, do like the 315, 104 whip thing again, then maybe, you know, that those low strikeouts are okay. Like, cause he's kind of like Kyle Hendricks in that way. Um, but I just worry that, you know, maybe he ends up being kind of that three, five, five-ish guy, which is fine, but on the Cubs, he's not going to get a lot of wins. And, um, the whip can be a little bit of an issue, um, although with the pitch mix change, definitely not as much of one. So I can definitely see the case for, you know, for Strowman for sure. Um, just jumping out of order, order Tariq Skubal is super interesting too because of the pitch mix change towards the end of the last year. You know, stopped throwing the four seamer, which just got absolutely demolished, and started throwing the sinker more. But I think the challenge there is it's like a little bit of a catch twenty-two because the moment he starts throwing that sinker a lot more then the strikeout rate dips to well below league average, you know, it just plummeted like in his last five starts, right? The K minus walk rate is still solid because he's not walking anybody, but he doesn't necessarily have that like dominant secondary that can like kind of compensate for that decreasing sinker. So I think he's just kind of meh at this point, like he's fine. He's like super mediocre, maybe he can develop like that slider or the changeup to be that elite pitch that it needs to be. But as long as he needs to rely on this, on the sinker as kind of his go-to fastball, I think he's going to have major issues with generating enough strikeouts to be super fantasy viable. Cindergard, uh, you know, is a pass just because of the injury stuff with me. Wainwright, you know, again, like I, I'm not.
0: Check your cord. But- oh, check. Is that better? Yeah, you're good. It just went okay. out like right if you stood away and right. So you're fine. Oh, man.
1: So with 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 Syndergaard and like Clevenger and all these guys, it's like, I mean, there really isn't like a ton of analysis to do, right? It's like, are they going to be healthy or are they not? And to me, the likelihood that they're going to be healthy, you know, is not enough where I'm going to use a draft pick at this point in the draft, um, especially in deeper leagues. I think you had a good point about maybe in those shallow leagues, taking a shot at a Kershaw or somebody like that, who who you might be able to live with. Um, you know, uh, not throwing a ton of innings. But in a 15-teamer, I think it's hard to kind of waste picks at this point in the draft because you're going to miss on enough guys as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So you're just really lowering your threshold for for missing. Um, With Rainwright, like, I don't think he's going to recreate what he did last year. But the the Cardinals have a great offense. He's super efficient with his pitches. He goes deep. They should have a solid bullpen. You know, it's just kind of like, you know, yeah, like he probably won't be able to recreate what he was going to, what he's going to do, but like, you know, as long as he can keep that walk rate in check, which he has the last two years, like the only time where he's really struggled, you know, with that whip is when he couldn't really throw strikes on the regular and had a higher than league average walk rate. He's been able to get that down. He has a low K percentage like the BABIP, you know, yeah, it's probably not going to be 256, but is it going to jump up to be a lot higher than that? Like, I don't, I don't necessarily, um, I don't necessarily think so. So I can definitely see the case for him, but it's also a slippery slope where like, you know, if he ends up throwing like 200 innings and you know, it's 170 strikeouts, but instead of like a three Oh five ERA, it's like high threes and the whip is closer to one, two, then it's not quite um as valuable, but I can definitely see the case for going with Wayne. Wright right. Right. Um, right here, you know, I, yeah, so I could, I could see it for sure. If you're looking for like a volume play and, you know, stuff like that, I think it could go really bad here, but I don't think it necessarily will go that bad.
0: Yeah. Know. Wayne was a tough one for me. Like he was awesome last year, but like you said, you have to know it's not happening this year. Like that's just, he's, he's a good, he's a good member. If you draft team boring, let's put it that way. Like if you draft team boring, he's I doubt he kills your team, but he might not be able to like elevate you where some other guys in this range could. And that's where it gets challenging with Adam Wainwright. Noah Syndergaard, I think, like you said, it could be fun in a 12 teamer because you can ride it until maybe he does get hurt. And then you just drop him. Like um, I've had a bunch of different, really good NAPC players on that play anywhere from 12s and 15s. And um, I believe it was dusty Wagner. I apologize if it was not. But he said he takes a lot of chances on guys like it. He's very successful. He says he takes a lot of chances like this in guys, I guess, in 12-team leagues, and he's not afraid to drop them right away. He said that's the beauty of these guys. When they get hurt, they're pretty much done for a while, and you just don't worry about them, and you move on. We're like in a 15-teamer. Can you drop them? Can you not? Like, There's all these different things. So Syndergaard's interesting, very, very interesting. Uh, I love Patrick Sandoval the Irish Panda. There's tons to like there. That changeup is just ridiculous with the swinging strike rate on it. And um, Stroh's my dude. I love Strowman. He helped me win a lot last year. I bought into him last year at an even later ADP because I believe there was more to him and he panned out to that regard. He had a pitch mix change last year. He's had another pitch this year. Um, I think he can keep taking this to the next level. And the biggest reason why is not just the pitch mix changes. I've used this with other guys before and it's not the analysis a lot of people like but he has such a humongous chip on his shoulder like you are not stopping this man like when people thought he couldn't be good he went out there and won the world baseball classic for the USA like this guy doesn't care who's on who's at home plate he really does not and that says a lot like I want a bulldog like that he's on a bad team he doesn't care like he does not care okay well now i can only give up 2 runs instead of 4 or so like he's going to go deal like things could go wrong there is some like you mentioned some kind of Things in his repertoire and just how things go. But I think the strikeouts are legit. I think it can be the same, if not better, with the pitch mix change. Going to get a lot of ground balls. Um, still in that NL Central. He's going to get some nice matchups. I know the Cubs are the, one of the bad teams, but he'll still get some good matchups and some good pitcher ballparks. And I think that's going to be tremendous for Astro. Uh, so I like him in this range. Like to me, he's kind of a Adam Wainwright with better upside. Like they're both kind of boring. They could both kind of just, you know, not strike out a lot of guys, get you okay ratios, not a ton of wins. But Stroh could do even more with strikeouts if he gets things clicking. So I'd go Stroh in this range. Scooble's a wild card. i get the appeal. Probably won't have any in my neck of the woods, but I do like some Stroh. All right. That's 60 pitchers, Toby. That's 60 pitchers. We have hit 60 pitchers on this show. Um, Let me go to some of our listener questions, which most were tongue-in-cheek this week. ms says at smms uh 79 who is this year's ray robbie robbie ray he said ray robbie what he, he said ray
1: robbie <laughs> yeah
0: and he had the poop oh, emoji, the poop who emoji is after this year's
1: robbie ray we had phil in the chat just a second ago we could have easily just had him on you know and asked him the same question um ray who is this year's robbie ray i'm going Who's patrick the guy? corbin hey, people hate patrick me for corbin. it people hate me um, for it
0: but i'm going long shot
1: uh former former Robbie Ray teammate too. Yep, yep. Um one of the things that's interesting about Robbie Ray is people have this sense that he's like, you know, was going super late in drafts last year. But in main events, he was going in round like 18, 17. Okay. So I mean, not early by any stretch of the imagination, but not like he wasn't like out of at a left field. Um and once again, a guy where the spring training velocity was was um was up uh and so that's what i'd be looking for you know in determining the guys that i thought were going to take that next jump let me let me look at the pictures here and i'll yeah, tell corbin's you corbin's adp is
0: 356. 356. <laughs> all right. Um, and Andrew Heaney is the popular name that's been thrown around
1: everywhere. All right. Who is going to Andrew Heaney? No way. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I, I mean, honestly, boxer, if you. I was going to say who's going to be the Robbie Ray of this year, it's probably Carlos Carrasco. Um, we, got, we, got I a mean, question,
0: we got a question on him coming up.
1: I mean, honestly, like Carrasco has, within the last few years, has been like a top 15 pitcher. He needs health. There was a, There was a note today that he was he hit 92 in a bullpen which means he was probably sitting 3 miles below that like 89 and he's normally 86 to 88 at this point in spring training. So, as long as he's healthy and he has the velocity, you know, Carlos Carrasco. I mean, he's done it before and let's just I'll just go with Carlos Carrasco then. I mean, I I have I drafted him earlier on in the year. I haven't as much recently. But he's a guy who, like, if he looks good in spring training, he's going to be going in the top 200, probably ADP wise. So, well, that
0: answers MS's next question: Carrasco reportedly touching 92 on the gun. If this velocity is back to healthy levels, do you buy in on a potential bounce back? Pretty sure yeah, you just for sure, yeah. for sure.
1: Especially because there's so many garbage pitchers like going yeah. in that middle range. There, well, I feel yeah. like that. Yeah, why not take a shot at Carrasco?
0: Epic ADP at two seventy five and OCs over the last two weeks. Like, I can definitely get behind that. We we've talked about Carrasco in recent years. Like, we thought he'd be healthy, and he like you said, he was close to a Cy Young caliber pitcher not too long ago. Like, he had cancer and other things. Like, there's just stuff happened, unfortunately. And if he like, um, let me double check something real quick. He's also in a better ballpark than he's ever pitched in. Much better ballpark. The team behind offensively should be decent. Like, not bad. And uh, you know he's 34. He's going to be 35 this year, so he's not a spring chicken. But at the same time, he hasn't put a lot of mileage on that arm in the last few years. So he's probably not a 35 year old arm, if that makes sense at all. Could be just throwing stuff at the wind there, but um, he's interesting. He's very, very interesting. Um, next question we have: Little Book of Calm has a question for us. Are there any middle relievers slash swingmen? projected for less than 10 games started and less than 10 saves that you're targeting in drafts this year, similar to Kopech last year. Um, so anybody like that, like call him got signed by the Braves. Big fan of that move. Big fan of that move.
1: I, I tweeted out how he was really good at the first half of last year and he really sucked the second half of last year. I just Um, don't know.
0: swingman wise, like 21 of his 37. Like, uh, while you talk, I'll find out Colette. Colette hit me up with something on this. It was very
1: interesting. um, not really. I don't really draft them. And I think this is the second part of the question. I don't want to draft these guys. I don't want to spend draft capital on them. I want to be able to snag them off the waiver wire because that's generally where they reside, at least earlier on in the season. And so, um, yeah. Oh, Phil says, live de- live decision. Do I take Gallon in the 14th round? That's pretty freaking late.
0: WWDDD, Phil. What would Dr. Dave do?
1: Man. I think it's a, a great, guy. I think it's
0: a good value in a DC. I'm assuming it's a DC that he's in. Um, I think that's a pretty good value, honestly, because he will pitch at some point in time. And if it's not as bad as we think it is, that's a pretty, pretty awesome deal. And I think Phil's smart enough and talented enough to back up his pitching enough to, to, Take the risk on. Let's put it that way.
1: Ah oh, man, I'm I'm not I'm not that into it. I do I'm it.
0: Sorry, I do it.
1: I can't. I just have such a hard time. um Like with, I don't know. Maybe it's worth it. Who knows? I'm risk. I'm horribly risk adverse, as you all can tell. Um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So,
0: I was just I was gonna answer to to book a column's question. There's no one that stands out this year. Like I talked about it a lot last year. I even wrote about it. Like Copex originally Urias wasn't going to be big. Peralta wasn't supposed to be a big guy early on. There was a group of them that it was like like uh, Christian Javier. There was a group of them that was heavily discussed as like these built for long man roles type deal. There's not that much of it this year, at least not yet, because we haven't had spring training yet. If you ask this question in probably two more weeks, I probably have a better answer for you, because I, I don't know what these teams are going to do. I have zero clue. Like right now, they all have five or six man rotations. That's all we know. I have no clue what their long this this setup is. So I apologize for that answer, but in a few weeks I probably have a much better answer for you.
1: Yeah, and look at usage for sure, like early in the season. And think about those teams like Bubba mentioned, like that have rotations where the guys aren't gonna go that that five.
0: You know, yeah, look at like teams like the Braves who literally it's Morton and Freed, and then guys that have trouble getting through five. Um and like there's a lot of teams like that. And that's just the one that always comes to my head. Probably half the league. Like, look at look at the Reds. The Reds are gonna have San Martin, Ladello, Green. They're gonna have a slew of dudes. <laughs> like it's the 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 um the the A's. Dalton Jeffries might pop in there. AJ Puck might be a good one to look at because he'll start in the back of the rotation. Maybe they decide to stretch him out at some point. So keep an eye on news right now. Like I said, a couple more weeks, much better answer. Uh, He had a quick follow-up as well. Are these types of players better left as waiver wire ads, as injuries mount up, and the waiver wire thins? I'd say yes for the most part, unless, like, Kopech was kind of one of the randos that worked out. Like, you knew what you were getting. There's a lot of question marks with most of these guys, and you said you don't draft them at all. So,
1: Yeah, I would just wait. That's what I would do. I'd I'd pick them up off the waiver wire for sure. Um,
0: Torres Takes asked um, the, you know, I wouldn't say commissioner of fantasy baseball, but he gave the the state of the union. Um, Where do you think Bartolo Colon signs? And do you think his team uses him as an Otani type role? Who? Bartolo Colon. This was one of the tongue in cheek ones we got. And do you think they use him as an Otani type role? I think I'm wearing my
1: Padres hat. The one team that has given up a home run. I think he signs in Sinaloa, Mexico
0: and he does like, he goes full Kenny powers and does the Otani role. That's where I'm going with that. Torres takes. Cool. So,
1: yeah, I'll I, play the game. Yeah, I um, I don't know, probably the Pirates.
0: Yeah, that would make sense after what they did today. And then in the chat here, James D. asks, Tyler Miguel, does he get work this year? The more that they keep batting pitchers, it's getting curious. But, yes, he will get some work this year.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I think he's good. I am not necessarily convinced that he is going to get a shot um, on the regular there. So, um, Look, I think it's going to be hard to, I think it's gonna be hard to have them on non DCs where, you know, you're going to be oh, yeah. kind of in a situation, right. Or you're like, I drafted him and he's not playing. And how long am I going to hold on to him? Because yeah, I mean, with, especially the moves that they're making, you're probably looking at like maybe one or two guys and, and Taiwan Walker's injured. So Exactly. you know maybe that's what it is um
0: you got Carrasco you got DeGrom you got Scherzer they might all spend time on the IL so
1: yeah but smarter people than me also think like that he's going to he that he's the bee's knees so
0: yeah some people love him absolutely love him like there was a lot to like last year there wasn't enough for me to love him last year that was the problem with Tyler McGillers but that's the growing pains like Logan Gilbert had the same growing pains so that was good for McGill to get through those i just don't know where the exact role is as toby was saying but i do think he will get his shot from time to time so that makes it tough to roster him to draft him but he will be a great waiver wire at times 100 like i guarantee you on one of our tuesday night shows we will talk about how like tyler miguel went for like 175 fab dollars because someone got hurt and he enters the rotation as a two-star week like it will happen it's coming so be prepared for that because he will be a, a night unless they go six-man rotation don't think they're going to I think they want to get Max and DeGrom out there every fifth day but uh something to think about as well all right Toby that wraps us up SP part two in the books any final thoughts on the starting pitching position
1: um I don't think so um yeah I mean the challenging the challenge with starting pitching is there's so many guys to like especially like late like there's a lot of so many guys to like like late and filtering through those guys to figure out who it is that you're going to draft because everybody's going to like similar guys. And so there's going to be competition. And so when do you hop up and and get those guys that you want and, um, and who do you like more than who really prioritizing those pitchers so that you know, come draft time when you're on the clock, who you're going to go with in that instance with those three kind of late pitchers in round 21, 22, 23, that you really like, but you know, you've got you can only choose one because they're probably gonna be gone by the time you draft again. Yeah,
0: for sure. And I think next week I'll put the outline together probably Sunday or Monday as usual. And um we'll do like a part three slash relief pitchers. We'll uh we'll discuss some late starting pitchers, guys. We won't go through like a list like this, but we'll we'll discuss a few things and we'll do like a brief relief pitcher thing because I think that's been exhausted to no ends this off season. So uh, we'll, we'll cover both those. Cause there is still a, like, we've only made it to like round 13 or so and 15 ers and like 17, 18 in, in 12. So we could probably go a little deeper just to give the, the listeners a little more at the starting pitcher, but I don't want to go like, you know, <laughs> next 40 guys type thing either. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll break that down a bit for you guys next week and give you some relief pitcher talk. Maybe it'll be a longer episode. We'll see who knows. We'll just have some fun talking pitching, because apparently that's what everybody wants. That's like the busiest chat we've had all season. Maybe it's because baseball's back too. That probably has a lot to do with it. And, you know, half the chat was Toby's special like, text message group that, you know, only the elite are in. So it's uh, he probably sent out the bat signal. Just going to throw that out there. But um, we'll wrap it up there, everybody. Thanks for joining us in the chat. Thanks for listening. As always, check Toby out on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at BDN This was another episode of Bubba and the Batflip episode 117. We'll catch you guys next time.